0: How about if I just start at the beginning? <laughs> you, can, you can be honest. <laughs>
1: because you know what? They have the sweat equity that went into that memory that they're making with their friends and family. And that's what's important with this. And that's what the I Am Real World about. Well, that's a great question. You know, one of the best things about a spring food plot is you get a second chance if it fails. Chasing Giants with Don Higgins. Brought to you by BuyAFarm.com, your source for farm, recreational properties, rural homes, and more. By tapping into Don's years of experience, dedication, and commitment, chasing Giants focuses on the techniques, strategies, and dedication needed to harvest one of God's most amazing creations, world-class whitetails. Now, here is
0: Don and co-host Terry Peer. Welcome, everyone, to Chasing Giants, episode 92 on November 21st. Don Higgins is on the line. Um, We're still kind of scratching our head a little bit about this uh, November hunting situation, aren't we?
1: Yeah, I went to Iowa early in the week, Terry, and then three days hunting Iowa. I seen one deer from a tree stand, and that was a doe fawn. And, uh, there was one day I did not see a deer period from the road, from a tree stand anywhere. And, uh, definitely it was in the lockdown phase because my cameras were silent as well as, especially when it pertained to mature bucks, they just will, were not on camera and no doubt about it. They were locked down with hot does out in the middle of nowhere.
0: I think that, um, you know, looking at social media, especially this weekend, there was some really big deer killed. Um, the last couple of days, um, I think that it's the same thing we've been stressing on this podcast about the rut, that if people are grinding it out, uh, one spot might be completely dead while other spot, you might have a really good buck up cruising, trying to find that next doe after he's already come off of the first or second.
1: Yeah. And again, season opened in Illinois on Friday. So, uh, you know, there's always, some giants that are shot during the firearm season, especially the November, the three days in November. So, uh, I'm sure there's some other States that are open as well. I think Indiana firearm season is open right now and I'm sure there's several others and that's probably contributing to some of the stuff we're seeing on social media. Yep. So, um,
0: congratulations. I know, uh, I hate to even mention one or two but um because I'm gonna forget some of our really good friends that have that have killed great bucks, but um James Morgan killed one, I believe, last night. Um Jeff Gibson killed a monster a couple days ago. Um yep. so congratulations to a lot of our friends who are putting slammers on the ground. Um I, I have this idea because we consider the the Chasing Giants podcast followers the the people that you know are so loyal to us and encourage us and send all these messages to us i had this idea that you know we consider ourselves all being part of a family so if if our listeners are up for it i have an idea that i would like to do and it's it's basically a picture collage that we'll call our 2021 family picture so if you're a listener of the podcast you enjoy it uh, send us an email to. We're going We created a special email address just for this. We're not gonna respond to anything out of it. We're not gonna have dialogue out of it. But if you send an email of a harvest picture or something that you got from the podcast to chasinggiantspodcast at gmail dot com we'll have a collage made um, that we'll release here towards the end of the year. I think it would be pretty cool for a couple thousand people to submit a picture of them uh, with their buck or their family and have that in a big collage for us uh, for our 2021 family picture. So if you guys are interested in that, um, it's a way to kind of bring all of us together a little bit that listen and participate with this thing.
1: Yeah, and that's just going to add to your email, count Terry. And I probably should jump in right here and apologize to to people. I've up to this point, I've done a pretty fair job, I think, of uh, responding to you know private messages on social media, text, uh, emails, whatever. But uh, I've fallen behind in a couple uh, or for the last couple of weeks, and, and I know you sat in a tree stand one day and answered 82 messages sent to me <laughs> to, to help me catch up. Um, I, folks, I'm just not going to be able to continue. This thing has grown to the point, and, and my consulting business has grown to the point that if I did nothing all day but answer messages, I, I still wouldn't be able to keep up. Um, I drove to Iowa on Monday, I believe it was, spent three and a half hours or so on the road. When I left, I had X number of, uh, of, uh, voicemails and I had X number of, um, text and the new Chevy truck I got from Chris Yates allows me to, uh, answer those, you know, know, without picking up my phone, even the, the text. Well, I spent the entire three and a half hour drive answering the phone or returning phone calls and, and responded to text messages. And when I got there, I actually had more than when I left after spending three and a half hours answering them. So I just can't possibly keep up. If you've got a question for the podcast or, the, or, or basically a question regarding deer hunting, period, please submit it to the, uh, on the form that's on chasinggiants.com. Um, I, I will not look at aerials and offer you advice on aerials. I cannot age deer from pictures, um, just, just a lot of different things. If you're interested in consulting, please send me an email. Um, I'm booked solid for this year, but I have started a standby list as well as uh, a lot of these clients are, are choosing to go with West Delk, save a little bit of money and they can get in, um, this year. So, uh, if you're interested in anything to do with consulting, um, please email. And I apologize. I, I've gotten to this point thanks to you folks who have supported me um, from everything from reading my articles for the past twenty five years to uh, you know supporting real world wildlife products to listening to the podcast. And, and I really hate it that I'm I can't respond to everybody personally, but it's just grown too big.
0: So I want to I want to jump in and just explain something for the listeners a little bit and it's not to bash anyone. It's it's just to kind of clarify the reality that Don and I are both living in right now. If somebody sent us a text message or somebody sent us a, a message on social media and just had an, a question, it would. it's getting to the point that's not even possible to answer. But the problem is, is everyone wants to have dialogue back and forth. And, you know, we're running sometimes 50 and 60 conversations at the same time with different people and it's not fair to any of us to uh for us or you guys to kind of short change that so any question you know i forget somebody had a, a question about whether they should sit all day in december somebody's had a question about what to do on an out-of-state hunt in in um after thanksgiving how to hunt um, if you have those type of questions, most likely someone else has that same question. Submit those for the podcast. We'll use them. If if you need questions about consulting, Don has done a great job on his website. I promise you that most likely your question is answered on the Higgins Outdoors website. His pricing is there. His availability is there. The contact information for him and Wes is there. Uh, please just try to save everybody um, a little bit of effort, but it's, it's just, we, we want to be the people that interact with, with all the followers, but it's, it's just crazy right now. I mean, like I said, I, I had a hunt, well, I guess it was Wednesday morning, wasn't it? Wednesday morning, I had a hunt and, um, um, didn't, the deer weren't moving at all. And I went into Don's, uh, messenger account and answered 82 messages from people. And, um,
1: It's just, we're going to have to get to that point. We apologize about Uh, it. I want to throw out one more thing, and I I hope this doesn't come come across wrong, uh, because, again, I I certainly appreciate everybody. But if you do leave me a phone message, please leave your question. Um, Don't just call and say, hey, Don, this is so-and-so. I've got a question for you. Give me a call when you get a chance. Because what happens is then I call that person back, and they don't answer. And if I I could answer their question on their voicemail, if they'd tell me what the question is, but if they don't and we go back and forth with a half a dozen calls missing each other before I finally get a chance to even hear what they want. So please don't just leave a message saying, you know, I've got a question. Give me a call. Tell me what the question is. And I'll answer it when I return your call. I just hope people understand that this
0: isn't us trying to be rude or trying to be distant, uh we still have jobs. we still have families, and we can't get a break and um it's just it's just where we're blessed beyond measure that you guys want to interact with us and and um and have this kind of uh you know correspondence with us. but we just ask if you have a consulting question, send it to don at higginsoutdoors dot com that link is on his website. If you have a question about hunting of any sort, submit those through the podcast questions, and that's on ChasingGiants.com. And um, if you send stuff to social media, um, it just it's probably not going to get answered. It, it's just
1: unfortunate that it's gone
0: that big. So, but We'll try to answer as much as we can.
1: We'll do the best we can. And, again, we appreciate your support. So uh, I want to throw out there also, Terry, the rut report I've been doing on, Social media. A lot of you guys (laughs) have uh, have uh, been following that. I've been giving a prize away daily. Um, Now I will continue to do that. I thought Facebook was had kicked me off this morning. Don got
0: banned. Everybody, (laughs) Don got put in Facebook jail for 24 hours, but he appealed it and he won, so he's back on. Yeah,
1: I won my appeal. So uh, anyway, I appreciate everybody. uh, You know liking that report and tagging others in it. Um, another real quick note to uh, the whitetail masterclasses. I said that those are filled up and I forgot to be mentioning this. Uh, there is a discount for real world dealers. If you're a real world wildlife products dealer and you want to come to the masterclass, there's a $300 discount for you. And, uh, the, uh, the first two classes with Dr. Strickland are full. There's two Saturday classes that are probably three quarters full and they will fill up probably by Christmas because I know a lot of guys get their wives or girlfriends to uh, buy the class for them. as a Christmas gift. So those Saturday classes will fill up and then there's two Thursday classes. And right now those are about half full and, and they may be full by Christmas. I don't know, but they'll definitely be full before March.
0: Yeah. Um, just to make sure that, uh, you guys got questions about uh, being a real world dealer, uh, send a message to, uh, the real world account. Uh, we have multiple people that monitor that. So, um, if you have a question about becoming a real world dealer, you can uh, contact us through the real world account on social media or call the office, uh, which the phone number and everything is on that website. So, uh let's talk a little bit about the uh explosion I had out of that custom muzzle loader that I had on that I had built on Friday. Is that all right?
1: Yeah. Actually <laughs> you uh filled the tag, so we need to hear about that.
0: Yeah, so um I think I think both you and I probably made a mistake. Or not a mistake, but just um our schedules got the best of us and we made decisions Uh, we thought we're good and it relates to our out of state tags. You know, you, you spent so much time last year doing consulting work that you really didn't go out and boots on the ground in Iowa. Um, I had to put in, I always shotgun hunt in Illinois every year and I had to make the decision on what County I wanted to put in for a shotgun tag for a non-resident and, you know, we picked up the new property, and uh, it's in a different county than other farms that I have access to hunt. So I made the call that I was going to hunt not where the new property is at, because historically the farms that we have to hunt, they there's usually a really good buck on there. This year there wasn't. Uh, probably the first year since 1996. Expect except for the 2012 um, EHD breakout the couple years after it, there's always a giant on this farm. So I went all in on a shotgun tag and didn't have a deer to hunt. So, uh, I made a Facebook post just trying to explain, uh, what went through my head when I shot this deer Friday morning. And I'll tell the story here in just a second, but I got just a ton of messages about like basically people almost, putting me on a pedestal for being the sportsman and that's exactly what I didn't want to do and why I was trying to, to explain it um, I went through the same kind of emotional side that every hunter out there has and I wish I wish I was the man to say that if I had a giant on that farm that I still would have made the decision that I did um, I honestly don't know I don't know if I would have done the same thing or not if I had a target buck or not, but, um, it'd been slow all morning, Friday morning. We were actually getting ready to leave for lunch and, uh, I was, I decided to take the, uh, Hankins, Hankins custom muzzleloader that I had built last year to hunt. Um, the farthest shot I had was maybe 110 yards but took it out hunting that morning just thinking uh you never know what'll show up I'd like to shoot a deer with it anyway. Was never expecting to really even see something I wanted to shoot. Sitting on the ground and we were getting ready to leave for lunch and uh, a buck came out um about 70 yards from me and put my scope up on it. He he did have mass, good body, really blocky, big neck. And, uh, just wasn't what I was looking for. So I lifted my head up off the scope and started watching him and he started walking and his front right leg, which was the opposite side shoulder of what I was looking at. Uh, he couldn't put any weight on it. He was just really, really struggling. And folks, this is a matter of just seconds. Uh, when I saw him limping that bad, I put my cheek back down on the gun and shot him um that's all the information I know about the deer didn't have a history with him didn't know you know we hadn't been watching him limp around this is on the river bottom so there's just a ton of deer um I made a decision and as soon as I pulled the trigger all I did was think crap I I just wasted my tag on that and I I felt like I was one of those guys that you know set a goal and then just cop out you know thinking well and you know, I'm just going to shoot something to fill a tag. Um, that wasn't, that wasn't the, the reason in my heart I pulled the trigger. Um, I saw that deer was really struggling. I mean, he was, he was really struggling walking and thought as soon as I pulled the trigger, I thought, oh man, he probably would have lived. Why did I do that? Um, I didn't even walk over to the deer. (laughs) I just, I just sat there. He was literally about 60 yards away. And, um, and just, I don't know. I don't know what the emotions, I tried to explain it, but I I can't type what I felt. And, uh, but when I did walk over to the deer, I've never seen anything like this. His, his, uh, right side eye was swollen and pussed up. It looked like a half of a tennis ball was in behind his eyelids He had another mask down on his chin. Um, When I went to clean his face and clean his nostrils to take pictures from him, he actually had pus coming out of his nose. So the infection of whatever happened to him was all over his head, and he was in really bad shape. So I I do not regret uh, shooting him. Um, It was not what I pay out-of-state tags for and what my goals are, Um, but... Folks, I'm I'm a normal person just like you all are. I, I still struggle with sometimes, especially in gun season when you have to make a decision in literally a second. Um, I'm no different than anybody else with the emotions that go through. You know, should I take him? Should I don't? The remorse of when I do. The relief of when I real I confirm that he he wasn't in good shape. Um, I, I don't want people to hold me on any pedestal whatsoever. Um, I appreciate the support of everyone, but that's not what that, that Facebook post was about. Um, it was more just to relate to every other person out there that you have to make a decision sometimes and they're hard and sometimes they're not the right decision, but, um, um, that's, that's where I was coming from. Um, I, I'm going to get him aged. Um, he had, uh, He's an eight-pointer, um, small rack. He's, he's only a 136-inch buck. Um, I scored him last night, and uh, but he has uh, uh, one base is six inches, one base is just under six inches, so really heavy mass. We'll see how old he is just to learn as much as we can about him and go from there, but should know here probably by episode 94 how old he was.
1: Well, you did the right thing, um, Terry. It, it's just that it, you have, a like you said, a split second to make the decision. And uh, I've been in that situation, too, where I, I've had to burn a tag on a buck that I didn't want to shoot because he was injured. And it, it happens. It's part of it. But, you know, there's a there's deer hunters and there's deer killers. You know, a deer killer, he doesn't care. He's just out there looking to kill. However he does it doesn't matter. And what he kills doesn't matter there's deer hunters who are conservationists that, uh, you know, they've got compassion for the resource and, and the individual animal, not just for the white tail of the species, but for the individual animal, they don't want to see an animal suffer. Yeah. And I, I know a lot of people get on me about my position with expandable broadheads. It's not that I think it's my way or the highway. It's that I, for my experience and it's really not my personal experience, but from, you know, like Ron Slifer and and other folks I've talked to, I just don't see that as a humane method. Now, if you hit them right, yeah, it's going to be a fantastic job killing a deer, but too many of them get hit in the shoulder and they're, they're wounded. And that's my knock, if you will with expandable broadheads is that there's just too much chance for injury and instead of a humane kill and
0: I'm not saying I'm right. You know,
1: I I believe I'm right, but, you know, I just sat in a a blind with a gentleman on my farm recently who was shooting expandables, and I never said a word to him. And, I mean, that happened in the last couple weeks. So I respect other people's opinions. I just didn't want
0: me sharing. I, I almost didn't even share the story of the buck. But. I, I, I wanted to basic we're on a podcast. We we have a lot of listeners. We have a lot of people that trust our opinion. I was not looking for some everybody to say, Oh, you're you're such a good outdoorsman or you're such an ethical person. That that's not what I'm I'm going after. I'm going after guys, Don and I are just like you. We have to make decisions. Um sometimes they're tough decisions. Um I can't honestly tell our viewers that if I had a net booner buck walking around on that property, I would have pulled the trigger on that thing. I, I would hope I would make the same decision I did, but I'm human. I mean, it's just one of those things. I just, I don't want people to, um, to take the story of that buck as anything other than me relating to every single listener that's out there, you know, um, I think that that's what makes this podcast probably more real than what most people in the industry, you know, have as far as their outlet is. We're just real guys, just like, just like everybody else. We deal with the same, same struggles. Um, I I honestly didn't know what to think after I shot him. When I walked up to him, I was like, Oh, okay. I I did make their, I didn't know that he had all of that infection in his head, that his eye had been gored out that, you know, he had um, infection dripping out his nose. I, I, I had to make the decision based off what I what I knew at that time. So if mm-hmm. anything, the reason I wanted to share the story was just to say, you know, there's tough decisions that we each have to make. I will say that I didn't say um, I'm going to burn my tag because there's no other shooter. Let's get out of here and go home because good grief, I've passed, how, how many deer have I passed over 150 this year already with a bow? So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's just, there's an element of it that I think people need to understand that goals are important. What what was the phrase that you said? Sometimes there's a difference between a goal and a dream. How'd how'd that go? Mm -hmm.
1: Well, you set a goal and, and if you deviate from it, that wasn't really a goal. It was a dream. Now there are situations like what you just described where, yeah, maybe you set a goal for say 150 inch buck and here comes a. 110 inch buck and he's dragging a leg or something. he's obviously in suffering and not going to survive. And you shoot him. I don't consider that deviating from your goal. But if you're sitting there and your goal is 150 inch deer and here comes 125 inch and, and you're shooting because tomorrow gun season starts, well, you didn't have a goal. You had a dream. Yeah.
0: So, um, but anyway, I'm, I'm tickled with the buck. He's, he's just a heavy, heavy eight pointer. I have my kind of guess of how old I think he is, but I'm not even going to say it because the bottom line is he could be three. He could be seven. I really have no idea. Um, With, Mm -hmm. with six inch bases, uh, my, my thinking is he's older than three, but he might come back three. Um, just it's the it's the nature of the game but thank you for all the support Um, like I said that's part of hunting Um, but again um, we all have to make those decisions sometimes sometimes they're not easy especially when if people knew how much work and money Don and I put into hunting properties especially out of state they would their jaw would probably drop so Um, but anyway I got I still got a bow tag that uh, I can use and still have a Kentucky tag we're still looking for the buck we want for that so Um, Mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit before we make a couple more announcements about the week of Thanksgiving that's what's coming up and um, you've said multiple times on not only this podcast but other podcasts that you get interviewed for the week of Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving weekend can be a phenomenal time to hunt let's Let's walk through that a little bit, maybe give some advice to those people who don't have their tag filled and maybe um, give them some encouragement to stay the course a little bit.
1: Yeah. So the last few days or so, longer than that week or so we've been in the lockdown phase where just about every mature buck is going to be with a hot dough and, when he gets done breeding one doe, he goes searching for the next, and and he typically does not have to look all that hard. And here, here's another one, because all these does are coming in heat in a short window, or a majority of them. And that's a really tough period to kill a big big buck because he's a lot of times these, these does are ran out in the middle of an open field or. You know, out of the way places. I mean, you even see pictures of them in town and people's yards or right in, in a business parking lot or whatever. And these bucks are chasing these does and they just end up in all these odd places. And it's just really hard to kill them during that phase. But as we start getting later into November, those hot does aren't near as plentiful. And a buck has to look a lot harder and a lot longer between hot does. So, you know, he may have two a couple days where he's not with a hot dog. What's he doing? He's on his feet looking for one. And as we get around Thanksgiving, you know, they're really on their feet a lot more. And I don't know, it was probably 35, 40 years ago, uh, the late Roger Rothar told me Thanksgiving weekend is a time to kill the Giants. That's when the biggest bucks in the woods are on their feet. And I found that to be true. There was a period... It was probably about 20 years ago where I went five seasons in a row. Five years in a row, the biggest buck I've seen from a stand happened on Thanksgiving weekend. Really? And, uh, huh. yeah. Um, that, that I mean, that's just, the, those bucks know it's about over for the year, and they're desperately searching for the next one. I think for the really big bucks, I think it's even better than that November 7th and 8th, you know, right before, a lot of those does come in, which is a great time to kill a big buck, no doubt about it. But you get Thanksgiving, and that buck knows it's just about over, and he's on his feet looking.
0: All right, so and, let's 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 dive into that just a little bit more, if you don't mind. If if I still have a tag and I'm I'm wanting to hunt and still continue on, you know, you're, the fatigue is set in. You know, the guys that have hunted really hard. What what's my strategy? Am I still hunting the rut type positions or am I transitioning more to a late season setup?
1: Well, something really interesting that I've noticed, having 13 cell cameras this year, which I've never had before, has really opened my eyes to what's going on immediately. And, and over the last two days, I've noticed that the morning activity is not near what it had. It's really slacked off in the mornings, but the evening activity starting around three, three thirty in the afternoon, it's really picked up. And not only have I seen it on my cameras, but I've seen it on my drives. So that tells me that we're shifting away from that lockdown phase a little bit. We're getting towards, you know, that the, the tail end of the rut where those bucks are desperately searching and, you know, Terry, the biggest, well, he ain't the biggest buck anymore. He was for a number of years. A 214-inch buck, The two. my first 200 shot back in 2004, I shot that buck on December 1st. And, you know, that's one day away from the end of November, but he, he was doing what the bucks do at the end of November. He was on his feet looking for a hot doe, and I shot him on an afternoon hunt. we're we're shifting into that period where the afternoons become better than the mornings where early in the rut and during, you know, the, the peak of the rut mornings are hands down better in my opinion. Mm -hmm. But when you start getting to this tail end, them, them afternoons pick up again and they become prime time.
0: Yeah. I think, uh, I think that if, especially right now, all of the work that people put into their food plots, Uh, now might even be a better advantage of having established late-season food plots than even they were um, early-season hunting evenings.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's almost like these deer are getting into that late-season pattern where every afternoon they're getting up and they're hitting a prime food source. And the thing of it is that the bucks, the mature bucks, are usually more reclusive and they may not show up to those food sources till after dark, the rut is still in play and it's causing them to come to those sources still in daylight. Now I wouldn't give up hunting mornings yet. I would continue hunting mornings right on through Thanksgiving weekend, but I would really focus. If you had to pick one or the other, I, I would, it's getting to the point where I'd start going with the afternoons.
0: Yeah. All right. So, uh, still a lot of hope for those guys that have a tag. I know both of us have a tag. Now you yep. have a uh, you have a pretty big weekend planned uh, with the new house this week. So, um, are you going to head back to Iowa? Or are you going to hunt at home? what's What's your plan that's going to going to be taking place here?
1: Well, I'm going to go back to Iowa. The question I only I've got to decide is: Am I going to go tomorrow and be back home for Thanksgiving on Thursday, or am I going to wait? Um, we got Thanksgiving Thursday and then Friday, uh, my daughters and sons-in-law are coming to help us move a bunch of stuff to the new house. And, uh, so the, the quickest after Thanksgiving, I could get back to Iowa would be Saturday. So I haven't decided if I'm going to Iowa tomorrow or Saturday and, uh, I'll, I'll be watching the weather, take a look at the weather later tonight and and make that decision. But, uh, I am going to be back to Iowa before November rolls out. Gotcha. Um we have um we have
0: quite a busy schedule that's starting here just in a couple weeks. So why don't we um just take a minute before the buy farm segment and walk through not only this, but then a last call reminder for the late season uh drawing hunt on your farm through your church. So we got a couple seminars coming and then last call for the uh, rifle for the late-season
1: hunt? Yeah, the, the two seminars. We talked about the first one last week, December 10th, um, down at Bluegrass Feed and Seed in Guthrie, Kentucky. Um, we'll be posting more details uh, on our social media, but uh, that, that'll be December 10th at 6.30, Guthrie, Kentucky. And then the following Thursday, December 16th, We'll be up in Michigan, or I will. I don't think you're going to be going to that one, will you, Terry? No, I won't. So December 16th, we're going to be at Real World Dealer, um, Collinville Country Store in uh, Clare, Michigan. So uh, look, look forward to seeing a lot of you folks there. <coughs> the uh, phone number at that one is 989-386-9664 um, if you got any questions. Uh, refreshments will be served, uh, again, December 16th at 6 p.m., Collinville Country Store. The address is 7880 East Collinville Road, Clare, Michigan. So hopefully you see a lot of people at those two events.
0: Yeah, so um, as as we start getting into January, pretty much our, our appearances are stocked up week after week after week after week. Um, as I mentioned a couple uh, a couple weeks ago, if you need or would like Don to speak at a church or something like that, very slim chances that his schedule will allow it, unless it's when he's in the area for a consulting job. So, if don't wait any longer if you have a uh, request for that. But what we're going to do is for those Facebook users that are out there, we're going to create an event for every basically every place that Wes, myself, or Don will be at through the entire year. There will also be a tab on the Real World site that will have a schedule of this. So it's going to get to the point we're not going to be able to make an announcement of every single one of the places that we're going to be at, um, just kind of the big ones. Um, but here in December, we have two, and we really never even have these in December just yet. So, again, uh, give uh, Brandon Beachy a call if you're uh, in southern Kentucky, um, North northern uh, Tennessee area, or in Clare, Michigan for the December 16th. So, why don't you make a quick announcement about last call for your rifle for your church?
1: Yeah, we've covered this uh, last Few podcasts. So I don't want to spend much time on it, but, uh, uh, through my church, I'm raffling off a late season hunt on my farm. Just it's a two day hunt. Um, and also a Matthew's bow. The winner will get a brand new Matthew's bow and the hunt. Um, the drawing will be next Sunday, the 28th, and I will announce the winner on next week's podcast. If you want to buy a ticket, you need to get your money in real quick. The tickets are $20 each or six for a hundred dollars and you will want to mail those to solid rock chapel and that's p.o box 172 in sullivan illinois and the zip code is 61951 so uh, look forward to taking someone on late season hunt
0: all right so with that why don't we move on to the biofarm.com property of the week
1: Buyafarm.com is your source for farm, recreational properties, rural homes, and more. Now, here is Don Higgins with this week's featured property. Okay, this week's featured property is 50 acres in Randolph County, Illinois, just outside of Steelville, Illinois. This is a property that we've featured here before some weeks back, but it, the price has been reduced. And, uh, this would make a fantastic starter property, uh, for someone, it would come close to paying for itself because of the 50 acres, there's 38 acres tillable, uh, with good soils. And, uh, it's real, it's subject, but it's subject to flooding. Uh, the St. Mary's river bottom is close by. So, uh, you could enroll this in the CRP tree program and get a great income off of 38 acres and uh, probably come real close to uh, making your payment on this. Uh, The taxes are only $665 a year, so very reasonable taxes. If you're interested, uh, you call Agent Jamie Keller at 618-713-7677 or go to the Biofarm website, and the 50 Acres in Randolph County is featured on the homepage.
0: All right. So again, uh, visit biofarm.com if you want to are interested in this property in Randolph County, Illinois or any of the other properties that they have on there. So thanks for their support. Um I I can't I can't not do this, Don. Bef- before we have questions, something really just teed me off this weekend.
1: Huh. Well, let's hear it. We ain't had a good, uh, outburst in what, a week or two. Yeah. So, you know,
0: um, I had the situation of killing this buck this weekend and, um, you know, I might be completely off my rocker and people say that, you know, when there's an infection in a deer, just cut the infection out. Um, when that infection is that bad in an animal, that infection's in the bloodstream. I ain't eating the thing. That thing stunk. It had pus dripping out of it. I I wasn't going to do nothing with it. Um, I called my taxidermist because uh, I have a very long history and relationship with my taxidermist. And, you know, if he could have used the cape or wanted the cape, I would have flushed him out and, and, and given it to him since I'm only just doing a euro on him. But just the simple fact of this political crap that our local DNRs are doing, I had to cape this thing out and cap it because I'm not allowed to bring any bone marrow or brain matter back across state lines from Illinois to Kentucky. And it just, every time I kill an out-of-state deer, it just makes me even more mad about our states just blowing the CDW thing out of the water and putting stupid rules in place that just make it more difficult for hunters.
1: Well... You're gonna get me fired up. Go now. for I it. That's
0: why know. I bring it up. That's it. Just it just infuriates me. I got people on trying to flush out a head. You know, we had a we had a guy that stayed in the hotel door next to us. That you know they they were from Pennsylvania. Their taxidermist is back home. They're trying to figure out how to flush out a head to get the cape off of it and uh, and cap it to take it back home because. Let's. For some reason, I never did understand. There's not that many taxidermists um, in Illinois, at least in the area that we hunt. There's only a couple. We got three in my county here at home. Seems like there's three within about a seven county uh, radius where where I where I hunt. So, I just, what's the deal with these with these state DNRs doing
1: this? Well, it's a political disease and, um, they get federal money to fight CWD and they got to have some kind of program. And so what do they do? They come up with stupid rules. It's, it's ignorant liberal politics at its finest. And you know, boy, a church today, I, I got a fantastic preacher folks. If you're in the Sullivan, Illinois area and you're looking for a church, you need to look at solid rock chapel in Sullivan and. Hit me up if you want to, I'll meet you at the door. If you want to come check it out, I'll meet you at the door. You can sit with with me and my wife. And uh, shoot, I'll even take you out for pizza afterwards. But today's sermon, our our preacher is really good about tying current events in in with scripture. And today he got on uh, the whole coronavirus and the vaccine (laughs) and all, all that. And the politics involved in it and, uh, man, he tied it to scripture. Fantastic. And it,
0: it, did you it's, give a, did you
1: give a big amen in the, in the audience today, Don? <laughs> no, I didn't, but I was, <laughs> right it, I was smiling ear to ear. Uh, it, uh, it, it's, it's what happens when politics gets into things that has got no business being. And you know, it's like our governor in Illinois, he had to put out a, 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 whatever you call it, a press release or a, a statement. He had to make an official statement on the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict. Now, why in the heck it's not even in our state for one thing. And this ridiculous liberal puke of a governor that we got has to throw his two cents. in. And I mean, anybody with the, the first inkling of a brain cell that listened to that, any of that trial, there should have never even been a trial. Whoever brought the trial, the prosecutor, he should be on trial now and he should be locked away. I mean, they tried to destroy this kid and lock him in a cell for the rest of his life for defending himself against three known criminals. And, how do we get started on this anyway? I don't know. I asked you about <laughs> CWD. C- 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 <laughs> it's, <laughs> po- it's all politics. It's, it's politics. It's dirty politics. Dirty politics is ruining this country. And, and at some point, I mean, I don't even know if we can ever turn around now. I mean, I don't even know a bloodshed. There, there's half of the people running around with a, a flipping mask on and their stinking car by themselves. They're so brainwashed. They're getting a shot that don't even work. The CDC. And this is this is something our preacher brought up in <laughs> church today. The CDC has changed the definition of a vaccine on its website. And our pastor's printed this off. He's got the the prior definition was a vaccine. You know, it it basically cures an illness or or whatever. And they've totally changed the definition of a vaccine to, to fit this narrative. Politics is just destroying the whole world. <laughs> I won't
0: lie. I, I knew that would, that would get you going. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, and, and CWD,
1: it, it, it's real. COVID is real. And, and it's, it's sad that people have died from COVID. And it, it's sad that CWD is infecting our deer herd. But, but let's face both of these issues with some common sense. And people like Fauci see an opportunity to make money off this garbage. They don't care about it, fellow human beings. They don't. All they care about is stuff in their pockets with more money and it's political. That
0: made me feel better. You know, one of the, one of the things that I was most disappointed about with this firearm season is one of my friends named Rod Stafford it was was staying with us down in the area where we hunt. He hunts a, a county neighboring to us, but the hotel's kind of central. I was looking forward to having dinner with you and Rod on <laughs> on Saturday night, but Patrick and I ended up tagging out and coming home early and you didn't get a chance to come down because Rod pretty much almost makes you look like a liberal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there's one guy right there. That I'm telling you, when it hits the fan, I, I want to be standing right side by side with Rod Stafford. I, I know him. I've, I've done work on his farm in Indiana, planted trees there years ago. Oh, Fantastic guy. But I'm telling you what, if we had a one, if we had 100,000 Rod Stafford's and Tom Higgins in this country, just 100,000, I'm telling you what, it'd be a different place. <laughs> All right.
0: Well, I had to get you fired up at least one time. Uh, why don't we move on to the listener submitted questions? <laughs> I I will admit, yeah. I've I've been to Don's church. They have a fantastic preacher and a and a great church. So if you are in the area all kidding aside, um a great place to visit and uh and and worship with them. So uh commend yeah. commend your church family. They're they're very nice people. <laughs>
1: And I was serious. If you want to come visit, I will meet you at the door and and walk you right in, and you can sit with me. So uh, hit me up if you're interested. Uh, We better move on to the questions, Terry. I'm going to get fired up again. (laughs) I I, want to start by saying T-shirts are back in stock. Anybody that uh, – T-shirts are going out tomorrow morning. (laughs) If we answered your question in a past episode, you did not yet get a T-shirt, they're coming. Uh, We already got them packaged, waiting for – Stephen the mailman, is going to pick him. I haven't even told Stephen what his new nickname is yet. You yeah, think he'll well, know what Carl means if I call him Carl? He is now officially named Carl. Your mailman's name is Carl from now on. We'll uh, basketball it fans that. from the 1990s will remember Carl Malone, the mailman. Well, Carl is my mailman, yeah, and he, he's going to be delivering T-shirts.
0: He bought my supper on Monday so and I owe him a supper sometime when I'm up there. Yeah, well. All right, well, what's the first
1: question for tonight. First question comes from Tanner Coleman from Finley, Illinois. Not far from me. Maybe Tanner wants to go to Solid Rock Chapel next week. Um, Tanner says, uh, Don and Terry, my favorite part of the podcast is the tactic discussions. Early and late seasons between food and bedding has been proven to be the best spots, no doubt. During the peak rut, do you think... A mature buck still desires the same things for a bedding area, like cover and vantage points, or does he bed more according to does? That being said, what are some good tactics for hunting during the lockdown phase of the rut? Thanks for the great content every week. Well, I think a, a mature buck always desires security. It's just that during the breeding season, he's willing to compromise and does on a, pretty almost daily basis. Um yeah, hot dough will lead him into danger. That's why so many of them get killed in November. Um they they just they're not thinking right and like a lot of males, so it gets them in trouble. <laughs> and uh with that said, what's a good tactic during the lockdown phase? Well I'll tell you what my tactic has been for years is I've got a lot of stands that are on out of the way places like say I a fence row or a tree line out in the middle of a wide open ag field and, or a drainage ditch. Maybe got just a tree here and there along that drainage ditch or someplace, the type of places where these bucks like to run those does. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to sit there and, and you're not going to see squat today or tomorrow or the next day. But if you keep plugging away sooner or later, you're going to, the, the buck you see is probably going to be an absolute giant. And uh, these are more, for morning hunts because the places I'm talking about are just about impossible to slip up to in the daylight, uh, without being seen. So, you know, when we get to the lockdown phase, I've always got a handful of those, those locations that, uh, I know that I'm probably not going to see a single deer that morning, but I also know when I do, it's probably going to be a giant. Yep. So the deer are going to be in out of the way places and you need to be there too. All right. Nothing to add there, Terry? Nope, I think
0: you're spot on. Perfect.
1: All right, well, we're going to move right through to the next one. All right. Uh, The Next one comes from Gary Hull from Albion, Indiana. Gary says, Don and Terry, thanks for the good information on your podcast. My question is, what do you guys do when someone shoots a deer and it runs on your property? Do you let them track it or do you wait till dark? We have had three different deer already this year get shot and make it to our property. Two of them made it to our sanctuary. We don't like to go at all except a couple of times a year to shed hunt. My neighbors are kind of upset. I won't let them on until dark. I'm trying to be a good, good neighbor. What's your thoughts or suggestions? Good luck this season to you both. Well, that's a great question, Terry. And it's one that I've been on both sides of. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you that I try to, treat others the way I want to be treated. Now, with that said, if some guy sits right on my fence and and shoots a deer and runs in there, I'm going to have a whole different response to that guy than somebody that's sitting 100 yards away and shoots one that runs on me. And a situation a few years ago, I had a young man shoot a deer. He was not right on the line, but he was really close. And he was only hunting on five acres. And that five acres included the house and the yard. And, uh, I had no idea. I thought I had exclusive permission on that property uh, until this young man calls me and tells me he shot a deer to run in there. Well, I absolutely was not going to keep him from, from getting his deer. I even helped him look for it and we didn't find it. We stomped all over my place for an entire day looking for it and basically ruined my hunt for that day. And, uh, probably several days afterwards, but it was the right thing to do. Um, I think you just got to look at it situation by situation and you always got to treat people the way you want to be treated and whether we're dealing with deer hunting or whatever. Um, you know, I, I would let those, those neighbors know, I, I don't know where they're sitting, you know, and, uh, you know, maybe they're using a the rage and they're hitting them in the shoulder and that's what, what's going on. Um, but you know, a little bit of education or help on your part might be the answer, too. Um, but back to my situation, I told this young man, you know, I said, You're sitting on five acres, and that deer runs. Uh, my my cover is the only cover touching that five acres. Every deer you shoot is going to run it, run back on me. Every deer you shoot is coming off of me before you shoot it, then you're shooting it, it's running back. So that's not going to contend you. I'm going to give you a fair warning that you're not going to be coming on to me tracking every deer you shoot. And uh, that kind of resolved that situation. But you just got to treat people the way you want to be treated and look at the situation, you know, individually and not have any hard and fast rules or here's how it's going to be because, you you know, you might be the one that needs to track a deer onto someone else in the future.
0: I've been in the situation where I've shot a deer um, during gun season in Illinois and wasn't able to track it. Um, the guy didn't let us on there. So, and it happened, I was on the other side of it this year. We talked about it, I think a couple of weeks ago, I got right. a call on somebody. Um, so the first thing is the fact that they called, um, that helps me a little bit, be more kind to them. <laughs> you know, if, right. if I would have gotten a picture of them on a cell camera in there tracking a deer, I, I probably would have called the law and then hashed the rest out later. Uh, The fact that they called um, and, you know, let's face it, in all honesty, we're all a little secretive when it comes to telling the neighbors the whole truth, nothing but the truth, you know, when it comes to what we're getting on cameras and stuff. But I think the more transparent that the neighbor can be with where he shot it, what happened, what deer it was, and help you put a plan together on it that should, that should be, you know, kind of a must. And then from there, uh, you make the best decision. Sometimes it's going to be, let's go in and look at it. Sometimes it's going to be wait till dark. Sometimes it's going to be wait till the next morning. Um, sometimes it might be get a dog. Um, I'm, I'm a believer that sometimes it might be better to get a dog in there than it would be grid search a property. You know, at least, at least you're not going in there covering every square inch of it. So, um, I don't. I don't have a problem with doing the right thing and helping somebody get their deer if they're respectful, they're transparent, and um, you know, it, it's you're going to be on the other end of that at some point.
1: Well, I, I want to throw out while we're on this topic that uh, you know I have never ever denied anyone the opportunity to track a deer on a property I own or lease. In fact, I've helped people get deer off. Um, so. You know, just treat people the way you want to be treated. Agreed. Okay, next question comes from Eric Wolfram from Cincinnati, Ohio. I hey, know, Eric. That's close to me. Yep, I was on his property. I don't remember. I don't think it was the last winter. I mean, it was the one before. But uh, anyway, he says Don and Terry, thank you for all the good information. My question relates to fetal programming. We know from research that Mississippi State University has done, that you have to get a mother that has lived in better habitat in order for the buck, her buck fawn, to benefit greatly from the better habitat. In short, it's a second generation after habitat improvements are made that show the maximum benefits. With this fact, should I try to remove all the older does as soon as possible? My thoughts are this would ensure that bucks being born have the full benefit of a mother with better nutrition. God bless. Um, the reason I picked this question, Eric, I think you misunderstood Dr. Strickland's research a little bit. Uh, so, so what he discovered was they had live trapped some pregnant does from a region of Mississippi with, uh, that typically had very poor antlers. They brought those pregnant does into their research facility, allowed them to have the fawns, and then studied those buck fawns. They expected those buck fawns to have antlers that were just as good as buck fawns that were born from does from a, the best region in the state. But they did not. And, and you know, they correlated that with, with fetal programming because that doe did not have good nutrition. When she was bred, that fetus carried for life um you know inferior antlers. However, what they discovered, the real eye-opening piece to this whole research, was that those does that were from that poor region were now in captivity, were now receiving good nutrition, so the second set of buck fawns that those same does had, all of a sudden their antlers were just as good as the the buck fawns that came from the better region of the state. It wasn't the second generation of deer that was the issue. It was The issue was that those first set of fawns, when they were conceived, did not have the same nutrition. And once they got, once that doe started receiving better nutrition, her fawn started reflecting that in their antler growth. And what's that mean to the land manager? Well, what it means is that you start providing the best nutrition possible to your does and and you do it ahead of breeding season. And the subsequent buck fawns born to those does are going to reflect that. And they're going to, you know, better be able to produce antlers uh, to their maximum genetic potential than if they were nutrition deprived, if you will. I hope that clears it up. And and that's exactly the reason I picked your question, Eric, is is I wanted to, just by reading it, I got the idea you misunderstood that whole research and I wanted to try to explain it a little better. I I hope I did.
0: Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a fascinating topic. You know, the old theory of I'm going to, I'm going to get two buck fawn twins. I'm going to put them in a different pen and feed them differently. How big are their racks going to be different? Um, the research from, uh, the deer lab, of Mississippi state squashes that and saying once that, once that fawn is born, his genetic ceiling is basically locked. You know, it might change a little bit because of nutrition, but the ceiling of both bucks are not going to change after birth.
1: Yeah. And Dr. Strickland, I think he even described it as a genetic switchboard where, you know, switches are turned off and on based on the environmental conditions, including nutrition available to that dough, And, uh, if I understood it right, once the, once conception happens, um, it's pretty much too late. those, that's when it happens at at conception is when those switches are turned off and on and, um, you can't catch up later. Yep. Great question. For sure. All right. Got time for one more. Yes, sir. All right. Our last one comes from Jeremy Melville from Downs, Illinois. Uh, Jeremy says, Don, when working on deer management on your property, you tend to aim for the five-year-old and older class whitetails. But I heard you talk on multiple occasions about shooting or letting family and friends shoot three- to four-year-old eight-pointers. Is this to allow friends and family members opportunities to hunt with you and be successful? Or is it a way to remove deer you feel will not score high at ages five or six? Thanks for all the helpful information and keep living the dream. Well, you're right on both counts, Jeremy. Those uh, three- and four-year-old eight-pointers, in my experience, most of them are never going to be top-end high-scoring bucks. That's not to say it'll never happen, but I'm going to tell you that – Maybe one out of twenty-five or thirty of those will ever surpass what you're expecting to. The rest are going to pretty much remain eight pointers, and uh, you know very few of them are even going to reach you know over 150 inches. And so I like to to get them out of the herd to allow the better bucks in each age class to reach the older age classes. And instead of shooting them myself, you know I'm limited to two buck tags in my home state of Illinois. But there's a lot of people that really appreciate those kind of bucks. They've maybe not killed that many deer. Maybe some of them haven't killed any deer. And for them to shoot a buck like that is a lot bigger thrill for them than it is me. Yes, you know, It's an opportunity to share my blessing of owning a hunting property, allowing them uh, you know, to, the excitement and the thrill of shooting a buck. And, and it helps my management all at the same time. So there's multiple reasons for it.
0: So, um, there, there's usually quite a few people that, um, hunt your property every year. Um, you know, but they it's either going to be me or you pretty much taking them. Um, you don't just turn them
1: loose on your property either. <laughs> right. So, and, and you know, so far this year, we've shot three bucks here. Um, all, I think every one of them an eight pointer. Yep. Um, well, the one that West shot was all busted up. We don't know how many he had. But uh, I would like to shoot at least two more um, before season goes out, and we're not going to shoot a single what I would call target buck. Right. Um, We're going to allow that. There's some nice young bucks that we're allowing to grow older, and we're getting these bucks out of the way um, to cut down on that social pressure so that they are more likely to stay around. Right. So, um, you know, we're going to – you're going to have a – the uh, late
0: season hunt and then depending on if we have a buck that we can get on that we want to shoot that's a target buck uh, you and I might be filling our tag filling our tags on just more management bucks on your place by the end of the year we don't know so right may very yep. well end up being that way but um, we got some guests that we want to get on there and hopefully get a crack at something
1: yep for All sure. Right.
0: great questions
1: all right. Thanksgiving's coming up Terry got big plans for Thanksgiving. Um,
0: we're gonna spend some time with both of our families my family and my wife's family um, and then um, I need to get back in the wood shop uh, I got a couple uh, projects that are behind uh, I do want to say if you ordered a SD card holder back when we were making a run of all of those, and didn't get it i know our friend rich hickson uh bought a custom one and i did it and mailed it but he just told me a couple weeks ago he didn't ever receive it so if you're in that situation uh, please let me know according to my records i'm caught up with everything Um, but um, i got a couple projects i want to get done and get back in the wood shop since i work till five usually and uh, it gets dark around five I'll start spending a little bit more time in there and then uh, be hunting on the weekends is every chance I get I doubt I'll take any more vacation time to hunt
1: well you're always welcome up here I'm looking forward to getting back to Iowa before I hit the road consulting so uh, I don't have much more free time before I'm going to be really really busy so uh, hopefully I can shoot buck in Iowa. I haven't given up yet.
0: And if you want to, uh, send your harvest picture or your hunting picture this year to, uh, chasing giants podcast at gmail.com. Again, we are not going to respond to this email. Um, but if you want to be part of our 2021 family picture, uh, we'd love to have it. So we're going to let that run for probably a few weeks and uh, all of our listeners, please email it in, be part of, uh, something that we can remember this year from um, as this podcast has just grown, grown crazy. And uh, please understand what we're saying about Don's uh, uh, touching base with us and, and trying to respond on these messages uh, from the bottom of our heart. Um, we, we just we can't do it. with We have obligations we have to ha- keep with our families too. So I hope you guys understand.
1: Yeah, for sure. We do appreciate each and every one of you
0: saying that don't get kicked and put in Facebook jail this week of all the things that I would have ever thought that you would have gotten put in Facebook jail. It wouldn't have been that picture that you shared.
1: Well, it made no sense to me either. And I'm surprised I've stayed out of Facebook jail this long, but (laughs) now I've got a target on my back. They'll probably be after me. Yep, Hard to tell now. So, all right, well, why don't you
0: take us out with our sponsors?
1: All right, we want to thank BioFarm.com, Victory Chevrolet, 360 Hunting Blinds, Real World Wildlife Products, Matthews Archery, Lone Wolf Tree Stands, WildlifeFarming.com, Quiet Cat, and Vortex Optics. Let's go, Brandon!